Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Here is a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible deals. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and pass those savings along to you. Not like last resort places, they work with cool top-rated hotels where you actually want to stay. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can actually book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. So if you want to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, download the Hotel Tonight app now. Gents, there's a revolutionary new detergent on the market that is designed just for you. It's called Frey, and it was created to both smell better and treat your clothing better than regular detergents. In the words of one of their customers, Frey smells like a GQ magazine kidnapped Liam Neeson's daughter to make him smell like Randy Savage was coming to kick their ass. So it smells awesome. That's, uh, yeah, we need one of those customers to write a review for our pod. That's a, that's a very detailed review there. Go to livefrey, F-R-E-Y.com, and use the code SHINING25 for 25% off your first purchase. That's livefrey, F-R-E-Y.com, and use the code SHINING25 for 25% off Frey detergents. It is about 1221 on Tuesday, January 23rd, and I'm giving the timestamp because tonight, Tate, uh, Kansas, and Oklahoma are playing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson, I think, is playing Virginia, so the people that are listening wondering, why are you not talking about Trey Young? That's all anyone wants to talk about. Why are you not talking about Trey Young playing Kansas? The answer is we have not watched the game yet. We're going to talk about that on Friday. What we are going to talk about today, Tate, is I think the only story we're talking about with you and I. Um, we're just going to dive right into good guy, bad guy. Usually we start with good guys, but let's start with the bad guys. Go ahead. Let, let's just let's just get it going right now. Go ahead. I'll let you go first, and let's talk about what I know you want to talk about. Um, we know what it is, and that is the the I call it the miseducation of Zion Williamson, and and it starts <laughs> it started on uh, January twentieth. Give the what, whole give the whole backstory. Give the people that are just tuning in. The whole story on what what is happening with who is this man Zion Williamson? Why is this news? Why am I making a big deal about it that we should start our show with this? Exactly. Give so the story, Tate. Zion Williamson, the number three player in the country at one time, ranked the number one player in the country. We're in a we're in a time and an age where you know we we deal with you know the mixtapes and the hype around recruits. We've seen it happen with a lot of guys, but. Zion Williamson has been a different animal. You know, he, he's been covered since he was 16. He has been compared to LeBron James. He's been on slam covers. We've heard about everything about this kid pretty much since he, you know, he really hit the scene. He's been followed by Drake. He's been rapped about. He's been talked about. He's been covered, you know, like nothing we've really seen before in, in the past five to 10 years, honestly. And that brings us to the point where, you know, everyone was was concerned and, and wondering where this kid would take his career in college. If he would go to college, he, he narrows it down to five schools. So he's from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, he's a Jam Nation uh, Adidas family guy. Um, obviously, we all remember the FBI story with Adidas. So that kind of opened his recruitment back up. And that led us to five schools that were in the mix. And the, the five schools that everyone had pegged, number one was Clemson. Uh, he's from South Carolina. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Clemson and stay in state. Number two was Duke. 
probably a, a sleeper or a dark horse at best, but they were on the list and a lot of people had kind of written them off leading into the recruitment. North Carolina, a, a school that he went and took an official visit to in the fall. Um, he was promised the number 12, Phil Ford's number, a retired number, something that had never happened at the University of North Carolina. Um, he was also considering Kentucky, the school that is known for the one and done in this era. John Calipari has uh, famously said that, you know, he is here to get these kids, his kids, his guys to the NBA. And then finally, Frank Martin and the defense of South Carolina. And, and my favorite thing about the whole thing, the, the, a lot of these schools made their final pitches in the week. And my favorite uh, Frank Martin pitch, uh, which was put out there by Alex English, you know, a great NBA and ABA player, played with the Denver Nuggets back in the day, a guy from South Carolina. He said, if Zion Williamson wants to learn how to play NBA defense, he should go to South Carolina, which I say to that, who plays defense in the NBA? Mm-hmm. So that leads all to the, so that all leads to the final day, and that is January twentieth, eight p.m. on ESPN. Mark Titus, were you watching? <laughs> I, I I was not watching because I you had led me to believe that I, I was like seventy five percent sure he was going to Clemson. Um, as I've I've said on this podcast many times, but for those who are just tuning in, uh, I don't really follow recruiting. Um, the only recruits I follow are guys that like I. Think are going to go basically to Indiana or Ohio State, and even then, I don't really follow them. I just kind of <laughs> celebrate just, when it happens. I'll, I'll, yeah, just celebrate when it happens. So, listening to Tate's just brainwashing me, just like all the propaganda you're throwing in my face, <laughs> talking about Phil Ford letting letting Zion Williamson wear number twelve as though like that matters whatsoever, as though anybody cares about any of that. Um, I was led to believe it was down to Carolina or Clemson, and I was like, man, this is going to be interesting. I even said on this pod, Tate, that I saw. <laughs> Did I not say to you that he's going to go to Duke? And then you're like, no, that's never happened. And, <laughs> and that leads us to Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard yep. Time before leading into the, the Florida game at Kentucky in Rupp Arena. So everyone at Kentucky. You sound, it, what, you what, sound so somber right now, by the way. You, you're, you're like <laughs> reporting this as though it's like a national tragedy. You're like, Friday, at Saturday I'm at 8 p.m. My, I'm doing my Walter Cronkite impersonation, as, which I just As I families all know. across... <laughs> As families all across this country laid their heads to rest, one of the great travesties of our time took mm. place. <laughs> it really was. And it really was because of everything that was at play. And I, I'll say this. So it all starts. We're, we're all live on SportsCenter. We, we cut to Zion Williamson. He's there sitting next to his stepdad, his mom, his little brother's there. And, you know, he, he starts out his speech. And what's he talking about, Mark Titus? Everything that I like to hear when it comes to being a North Carolina fan, which is family. He's like, it comes down to family values, everything that, you know, I represent and what I want my family to represent. I want to be a part of something. I want to, I want to bring my family along. As I'm hearing these things, I will tell you right now, I'm, I'm watching this with my two roommates who both went to North Carolina. We are ecstatic. This is everything you want to hear. Roy Williams had the last official visit with the kid. We're pumped. We're like, this is leading to North Carolina. I can't wait to see that Carolina blue hat get pulled up. And then, of course... He says, and I've decided that I will be attending the Brotherhood. <laughs> and I fell out of my chair because I'm just shocked. I'm like, the Brotherhood? First this of all, is... that was created at least four years ago for as a hashtag, but now has become some you know ideal that everyone believes is a true reality with Duke basketball because you know they're such a brotherhood. They really take care of each other. Let's ask Grant Hill the last time he talked to his national championship team. I'll wait. Um, but anyways, it comes up, the Brotherhood. He announces. He pulls out the blue hat. He puts on the Duke cap. And people, J. 
just go ballistic. This kid was probably one of the most likable players in the country just for the fact that he had the the all-inspiring dunks. Everyone seemed to like him. He's a real humble guy. He's been around, but whenever you see him in interviews, he's just super humble, super nice kid. And when he says Duke, he automatically becomes a pariah, somewhat of an enemy, and now he's joined this ridiculous recruiting class that Duke has together, which has the number one recruit in the country, R.J. Barrett, the number two recruit in the country, Cam Reddish, and now the number three recruit in the country, Zion Williamson. <sighs> And boy, does it hurt and me to say that, Mark Titus. I, I, since I've come back home from LA after being in LA for a couple months and I've been back home, this was the very first time that I wish I was back in LA. This is the first <laughs> time I found myself wishing I was there only just so I could record you as this announcement was taking place. This is, I, I had to see it. It hurts so badly that I was not there. Like, I imagine you were the Cliff, Al- we were just making fun of the Cliff Alexander, Illinois people. And I, I, in my head, you were so much worse. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. I, I guess I want to start here, Tate. Uh, how has Mike, and, and I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this, how has Mike Krzyzewski brainwashed the entire country to the extent that people hate Duke? This, this is the weirdest phenomenon to me in, in the world. The, everybody in the country hates Duke. If you're not a Duke fan, you hate Duke. No one is like, okay, Duke, yeah, cool. That'll, they're, they're whatever. Everybody, either you're a Duke fan or you absolutely hate them. So most of our most of this country, most of the college basketball fans absolutely hate Duke, want them to burn to the ground, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And yet we we have a situation where anytime any other school gets does great on the recruiting trail, everybody starts making accusations of them paying players and dropping <laughs> bags. And these are two things that exist in our in our sport is mm-hmm. that everybody hates Duke, everybody accuses everybody of paying players. That's those are two things that always happen. Somehow, I, it blows my damn mind. I have no idea how this is happening. Nobody accuses Kay of paying players. It just like he's somehow like brainwashed everybody into saying he's like a leader of men. We do things the right way here. I would never do such a thing, etc. And like, e- even when you go on on the internet, like I I was on like I think Reddit or something, and they post the announcement like Zion Williamson going to Duke, and everyone in there is like, "Shit, I hate Duke. How do they keep doing this? This is crazy." And it's like. If if John Calipari farted at a at a guy who was is like a top 100 recruit, you, like this the 74th ranked recruit in the country, if John Calipari pointed his asshole towards him and farted, like everybody would be like, he's paying him, he's paying. That's exactly what's happened. He's paying. Which, by the way, Cal probably deserves that reputation. But like, how has K reached the point where he just? How is this happening, Tate? And I don't it, understand it. This is how it's happening, and that's our bad guy of the week, and that is Jeff Capel. And this is the whole premise of the situation because I think the problem with what you're talking about is the reason that Coach K, Duke, these guys aren't tagged as, you know, paying the price tag for, you know, maybe dropping the bag for these kids is because that is not what Duke has ever, ever represented. All Duke. Ever. When you've ever thought about Duke, what have you always thought about? You've thought about guys that are not as athletically gifted or talented, maybe as skilled, but not athletically gifted or talented, that try so hard and slap the floor so hard that they somehow get wins. And then they also heat up, you know, you know, uh, Cameron Indoor to 110 degrees like they're playing in hell. But that's what they do to win. That is just the facts of, the, that's facts of life. That's what Duke basketball has always been about. The thing that's changed now is that they are playing a futures game, which is why Jeff Capel is so important. Because you know what, Mark Titus, as much as I don't, you know, I, I do get a little bit of satisfaction out of it. Coach K is not going to last forever. He is not immortal, despite all reports saying he is, especially his hairdo. 
He is not immortal. Mm -hmm. And there is going to be an end date. There is an expiration date on Coach K's version of Duke basketball. Is that a threat? Is no. that a threat? No. That, this is <laughs> this is a declaration for why all this is happening. And it's it's to set a precedent for the future, Mark Titus. And here's yeah. where it all comes in. If if Coach K were to continue his what he built at Duke, which is I'm going to take a player that is not as talented. I'm going to take a Lee Melchione. I'm going to take an Emil Jefferson. I'm going to take a Brian Zubek. I'm going to take a Greg Paulus. I'm going to take a Daniel Ewing. The list goes on and make them a three to four year starter that gets in people's bleep that out Kyle and wins games and wins titles and now he's playing the one and done game and that is not his game it's Jeff Capel's game but you know who's going to be the head coach in the future Jeff Capel and you know what Duke needs precedent because if they get the top three guys now when Kay's there when Capel gets the top three guys in 2022 or 2023 it seems like it's standard protocol it seems like it's always been happening it gets in your head you're like oh that's just what Duke does this is not what Duke right. does, has ever done. Mm. But they've played it perfectly. They've dealt the card out to 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 every single person, starting with Kyrie Irving back in the day and leading all the way up to now to Zion Williamson. They have played their hand perfectly. Jeff Capel, bad guy of the week. I it's, can't believe this is happening. The audacity of, of this to happen, of Duke to take the top three guys in the country who all play the same position and... On the heels of the FBI thing, so we the, the the current climate of college basketball is this: we have long, for years and years and years, all known that that coaches are out there dropping bags. We knew that this was a thing. It was like <laughs> r- rumors talked about. You get you get anybody that spent like more than five minutes inside a college basketball locker room. You get any two people together, they're like, yeah, of course, guys pay players. Like that's how it kind of works. These were always the rumors. Then the FBI thing hits, and it like. There are rumors no more. It's like proof. We the, the federal government is in on this. It's a widespread thing. They're throwing out threats. They're the guy, the guy in the FBI at the press conference is like, we know your game plan. We're coming for you. Every other coach, you should be scared. This is the current climate. It's like we know for a fact that coaches all over this country are paying players. And Brian Bowen gives us a price point to start at mm-hmm. at a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Who's not even what was he like? 15th or something best recruit yeah he's like like mid-level he's like the mid-level player that you pay he's not even the high so so that's the price point we have as a starting point you can you can theoretically say i mean again we could do rumors and like i'm as for me i personally believe guys are getting paid more than a hundred thousand dollars i think brian bowen like was you know like that was probably his price i'm guessing better guys are getting more money but that's speculation we'll go with what we know tate guys are getting a hundred thousand dollars to play at these schools right and somehow we have created a situation where America, the general public, as a consensus thought, knows that guys are getting paid $100,000, knows that Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett were getting recruited. They were getting offered money by places. Whether, I'm, I don't know if they took it. I don't, I'm not going to say I know anything about that. I guarantee you that, that coaches were calling them saying, we can hook you up with XYZ. We will give you cash. We'll give your family a house. We'll give you cars. Whether they took it, I don't know. But we know that these things are going on, and yet America has been led to believe that Coach K goes into these living rooms, sits down with the families, and says, listen, I know you have lucrative offers on the table. I know that you could go to uh, Arizona. I, I Sorry, Arizona fans, I'm picking you because <laughs> you're the best example. You're implicated in the uh, the probe or whatever. You, I know that you could go to Arizona and get $200,000 in a Lexus. I know you could be Billy Preston driving his Lexus on at Kansas and crashing his car. I know that all these are things. But here's what I'm going to offer you. 
I'm going to offer you the opportunity to play for a 70-year-old who takes a leave of absence every year because my body's falling apart and an opportunity to join the Duke Brotherhood and then go to the NBA and and be known as the greatest Duke NBA player of all time because every single guy I send to the NBA sucks ass. And I, I think I think you will find that my offer is better than like an amount of money that would change your entire family's lives and all these kids and each one of these kids are saying, yeah, actually I'm, I'm with you coach. I think that's what I want out of my life. This isn't happening Tate. This cannot possibly be happening. The, the, the pitch that, <laughs> yeah, the pitch that coach K and Duke that they put out to the world. I mean, we, we remember Diallo when Hammy Diallo was in between Duke and Kentucky, he said, and Cal got very upset about this, that, that Duke promised, a lifetime, right? A lifetime support. So you're always going to be supported by the, the I, you know, I call them the Duke Mafia, but you're always going to be supported by Duke, whatever you do in life. If you, if you end up being an engineer, you know, there are going to be Duke people in the field that will take care of you, yada, yada, yada. The other thing that Kay does, and I think is very underrated in this whole situation, is he has this game that he plays. So if you, it, let, let's say Coach K goes into Zion's house. What's the first thing he's going to ask Zion? Who's your favorite NBA player? Zion's going to say, well, I mean, I really model my game after LeBron James. He's going to go, you know what? Let me text LeBron right now. He'll pull out his phone. He'll text what it says in his phone. Contact LeBron James. It's probably a manager on the Duke team, but we don't know. We can't confirm that. So he texts LeBron James and says, I'm here with Zion Williamson. You know, he's a great young player. We'd love to see him at Duke. And, you know, LeBron will text back and say, love you, Coach K. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even <laughs> love the game of basketball. You should you should tell Zion to go to Duke because that's what basketball means to me and it means to you and I love you to death. And then Zion will read that and go, oh my God, LeBron James wishes he was at Duke right now and not playing in the NBA. I should go there. That's the way that they sell it. Like Coach K's connections yeah. to all these NBA superstars Which, is just you know mind boggling to all these recruits, and they're like, I just got to go play for this guy. When re- reality, Zion Williams is already a star. He knows Drake and all these people. Like that's not what's selling him on this program, and that's like the farce that's out there to the world. That Coach K's NBA connections is what's getting all these kids so amped up, and they're like, Oh my God, I could one day be like LeBron James, who thinks that I could be like him because Coach K texted him. That's not what's happening. There's no, yeah. This is so, but America buys into that. It's it's unbelievable. I don't understand it. Coach K is without question the greatest coach alive. I I think it's without question he's the greatest coach of all time in college basketball. All of these things are true. He has an undeniable brand. Duke is obviously Duke should be recruiting very very well every year. I these are these aren't the complaints. I don't begrudge Coach K for using whatever influence he has. I honestly it doesn't even bother me that Duke does well recruiting because I know a lot of people are like probably doing the jerk-off motion listening to us, like, Duke haters, here we go again, you guys hating on Duke. You hate on Duke because you're a Carolina fan, and you should hate on Duke. I don't. I honestly don't care. I actually like when Duke does this because it makes my job a lot easier. I know that next year now, I'm going to have a, a Duke team that's going to have three guys, their three best players are all going to be playing the same position, and they're going to be trying to figure things out, and they're going to get upset losses, and it's going to be an absolute blast to cover them. I mean, I'm actually excited for this. I just can't believe... And especially like when you think about like Duke doesn't actually win national championships. They've won one <laughs> national championship playing the one and done game. So it's not like and guess and guess who won that, a, guess who won that championship for them? Quinn Cook and Emil Jefferson, right? And and Grayson Allen and Grayson Allen, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and Tyus Jones, I guess. But uh, 
Um, and and Justice Winslow and uh, whatever. But, um, <laughs> Angelo, <laughs> but but the point is like everyone gets whipped into a frenzy thinking that like I, I guess I am probably being a Duke hater right now, but it's not like uh it's not like they're Alabama football and they're winning every national title, and I'm just really upset that my team can't break through. Like honestly, if I'm, if I'm jealous of any program in the country, it's Villanova, and they haven't had a one and done guy yet i don't think so um i'm gonna go ahead and pump the brakes on that one i'm not coming at this from like a man i wish ohio state did what duke does um although it would be nice you know to have these these talented guys on this team but uh but it would make the point more, is like i it would make more sense like ohio state has actually been in the game you know what i mean like we've seen mike conley we've seen greg Oden, we've seen d'angelo russell right. the problem that i have and it's not even a duke hate it's more of a it's like a longing for what i've lost and I say that from a place of love and a place of hate because they're very close to one another. The thing that the best thing about the North Carolina Duke rivalry always was that North Carolina was the program that had the supreme talent, the superior talent on the floor. But Duke had the the moxie, the 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 skill right. and and the ability to play the, the game of guys. basketball better <laughs> than the talented players, to know the game better, to take the charges, to dive for a loose ball, to do all these sort of things. Just say it. And and they've gone Just say it, com- Tate. They had a lot of white guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they've gone completely away from their identity and everything that Kay built. The reason that I'm sad is because you know what? It's hard for me as a North Carolina fan to hate Brandon Ingram. It's hard for me as a North Carolina fan Whoa. to hate Marvin Bagley. It's hard for me as a North Carolina fan to hate Jalil Okafor. That's interesting. Because they are, these these are great talents, supreme talents that I cannot believe that are now going to Duke. It just makes no sense. It doesn't fit. It would be like if Butler was getting Romeo Langford. You know, well, it just doesn't this fit is, the protocol. This is interesting that you're bringing this up. So you're saying that you don't hate Duke as much as you used to. No, despite, not at all. Despite them, interesting. Because to me, this this sort of stuff makes me hate Duke more because, and, and I think we're both we're both coming from the same point. We're just arriving at different conclusions. I, I hate them more because I think they pretend like Kay's whole mantra is that basically it's funny you bring up Butler because that was the example I would use is that Kay pretends like his program is still Butler mm-hmm. and he thinks that he's like the underdog and and like you said getting like the scrappy guys the unhair like plucking the diamonds in the rough and finding a way to, for them to to play for the name on the front of the jersey and this is what it's all about. And for some reason, like, we, America's all bought into that bullshit. And, like, people are just now, like, I, I am just now for the first time starting to see people, like, think, wait a second, Duke is sort of the one-and-done school, aren't they? Like, this is, maybe Kentucky's not the one-and-done school. Maybe it is Duke after all. And, like, they're just sort of figuring it out. And it's so, it's it's just, it, this makes me hate them more because it's like, if, if, if Kay and Duke and everybody involved and Duke fans and everything... If they just celebrated what they were, I don't think I would have a problem with them. If they were just like, yeah, you know, we, maybe we play players, maybe we don't. We we just, sorry, we get a bunch of talented guys in here. We we have a ton of fun. We send everybody to the NBA and we do it again and we win national titles. Like, sorry you hate us so much. It is what it is. But that's not how they approach it. They approach it like we, we do it the right way. Like you see Duke fans talking about like, academic requirements and like we have to get a specific player like like k even last year i wrote an article i think it was this past summer about um basically this very thing you and i are talking about is like duke changing their recruiting strategy and how k is basically like sold a soul and he has gotten away from the duke thing and as i was rec- i was i was researching that you come across these quotes where k is like we still go after the same guys we always have and that kind of shit is just like mind-blowing to me 
how can you say that with a straight face? You clearly do not. And they, but they pretend like they're going, they're trying to find the guys that have the academic requirements as well. Cause you know, Duke is a prestigious school now and you have to get those kind of guys that fit the mold. And it's like, just, just cut all the bullshit and call it for what it is. And I wouldn't mind one bit. Like I, I, I hope Duke gets the, the five best players in every single recruiting class go to Duke and Kentucky from now until the end of time. And we do this every single year because it's so much fun. I love talking about it. It's just, uh, I don't know, Tate. It blows my mind how the wool's been pulled over America's eyes, and they just don't. They just buy into whatever Coach K's selling. It's it's honestly impressive. And what happened with K is, I mean, he, he panicked, right? When in two thousand nine, Duke was nowhere to be found. You know, they they were freaking out. The one and done era was finally clicking in. They weren't quite getting the kids. I mean, at one point they had Nolan Smith, Greg Paulus, Brian Zubek, Kyle Singler, that whole squad getting together. And it wasn't working out. And North Carolina wins that title in 2009. Kay is a reactionary person. So that happens. He's going to up the ante. He's like, well, you know, he went from talking really, I mean, you should see some of the old quotes from Kay on Calipari and, and the one and done system in general. I mean, he had some you know, some thoughts that I think if it were pulled back out, you know, a lot of people would have some real problems with it. But he was basically like, I'm not changing the way I do what I do. This is the yeah. Duke basketball program. And honestly, the whole time I was on his side about the thing. I was like, at least, you know, Duke and Carolina aren't going to get in the mud here, get, get in the glut of this whole situation and let it play out because I thought the rule was going to change. And then he went completely 180. They won the 2010 title which I think, mm-hmm. I don't think he thought they were going to win that year because he was already on the Kyrie trail and, and and trying to get Harrison Barnes and trying to get into that world anyway. But they win that 2010 title, and then it just, from then on until today, it has been a complete well, flip of everything that they have done before that. And, I mean, it is impressive. The 2015 title, and, you can't say anything bad about that team. That team was the perfect mix between senior leadership and young, freshman, talented players. That all worked out. But to get a guy like Zion Williamson, a guy that, I mean, if you went to someone in 1997, showed him a tape of Zion Williamson, and you said, that kid's going to go to Duke, they would look at you dumbfounded. They what they're like, what happened? Did Kay retire five years ago? What the what the what is going on there? Who coaches that team? You know? Is Terry it's, Porter coaching that team? What is going on? It's funny you bring up the timeline about right around 2010, 2011 is when everything flipped. Because yeah, as you said, you know who was hired then? You know who was brought to Durham then? It was your boy, Jeff Capel, who was fired lest anyone forget, was fired from Oklahoma. The, the official story was because Oklahoma sucked that year, and I think the 2011 <laughs> was his final year. Yes, that was the official story that was put forth to the media. The story that like is obvious was Tiny Gallon was getting cash from a financial advisor, and the Oklahoma assistant coaches were orchestrating the entire thing. And on like that scandal hits, he leaves Oklahoma in wake of recruiting violations. They're on three years probation. Long Kruger inherits the program. It's I wouldn't say shambles. It wasn't like a complete disaster, but Capel, it was a direct recruiting violation, a, a player taking money. Um, Jeff Capel was was in charge of this, gets fired, goes mm. to Duke. Mm. Duke starts landing one-and-done guys. Mm. I don't under, This is just like, again, maybe there's a scenario where none of these guys are paying players. I'm not here to say that I, am, I have 100% proof that Jeff Capel and Mike Krzyzewski are paying players. I'm not trying to break a story. What I'm trying to do is... Is like grab America by the lapels and shake them and say like, 
what the f- why do you do this with every other program but not Duke? I don't understand it. This drives me nuts that that Kay has somehow buried the Lance Thomas thing. He's buried the Chris Duhon thing. He's buried the Corey Maggette thing. Like people don't people are listening to this podcast right now and just heard me mention those three names and they're like, "Wait, what is he talking about? Go Google it." <laughs> These are things that exist. And this man is like, he's a mob boss and he's figured out a way to just bury all of his bodies, all of his violations that happen. And it's like, I respect him so much. And this is why he's the greatest coach of all time is because it it just defies logic to me how he gets this done, Tate. So that's it. I'm I'm more angry about this than you are, by the way, which is shocking. (laughs) I'm not angry. I'm I'm just disappointed. Like, I I can't believe that we've come to this. And my whole thing, my my last, maybe not my last point, but my last thing I will say about this, the the facade of the family atmosphere and like the whole thing. I mean, Cal does it at Kentucky. You know, Kay is now doing it with this whole brotherhood thing. I mean, that's a Dean Smith thing day one. Like, Dean Smith it's, has been doing uh, that the entire time. It was all about the Carolina family. It wasn't used as a marketing tool. It was just, that's what he said. I mean, he when he passed away, he sent $200 to all his former players. I mean, that that's just what he was all about. And now Kay has adopted that in some new modern weird way to call it the brotherhood. But let me ask you about the brotherhood, okay? So first off, Zion Williamson, what number does he wear? Okay, number 12. Who wears number 12 right now for Duke? Oh, Javin Delarier, a guy that doesn't play, a guy that was a four-star recruit, a guy that has a lot of potential but's not going to get playing time and probably going to end up having to transfer. Okay, that makes sense. Let's talk about Jordan Tucker, a guy that went there last year when Duke lost out on Kevin Knox. They went down to Marietta, Georgia to Wheeler High School, a place where Jalen Brown went and said, hey, Jordan Tucker, we need a wing on our team to come in and help us in the freshman class. Guess what he's doing as of 12-31-2017? Transferring. Coach K right now is playing a game of I'm going to bring in all these talent. It's like football almost. It's almost like what you know Steve Spurrier was doing at South Carolina. It's like I'm going to flood all these guys, bring in all these top talented players, and sort of let them fight it out amongst each other, pick my favorites, and then the ones that don't get to buy into the brotherhood, see you later. I mean, what happens to Chase Jeter? Is he still part of the brotherhood? You know, what happened to Elliot That's Williams? Was he a part of the brotherhood? I don't know. I, it's, it's funny that Jordan Tucker transferred to Butler too. It's like he he... Got to Duke, he's like, well, wait a second. This isn't the Duke that I thought. I, I want to go to the real Duke. I want to go to the Duke I was sold on, which is Butler. And that's the... um, Yeah, the whole brotherhood thing is so funny to me, too. Like, you, you realize this is something at every single program in the country. Like, they, like, every single program has a fraternity of former players that feel really tight to each other. And they... Like, this is not a unique thing that Duke has. And I, it's... I don't know. It's 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 just all, like... It's so weird to me the branding the branding of Duke. It's not it's not that Duke again. I don't begrudge Duke. I don't begrudge Coach K for for setting all this up, for creating this brand that he has. I just don't understand why the college basketball fans who hate Duke only seem to hate Duke for like like they they hate him for almost the wrong reasons. It's like hate him for the same reasons you hate Kentucky and exactly. And I don't know. They still hate him. It's, it's they, so they it's still so hate him for the preconceived notion that they are the you know, try hard kids that come in and work hard and the private school kids and blah, blah, blah. And granted, right. Grayson Allen is like, I've said a lot of bad things about Grayson Allen, but I'm going to miss him. You know, like I love watching Alex O'Connell play. I love watching these guys where if, if you put me in a time capsule in the mid 2000s or the early 2000s or the 90s, and I saw one of those kids, I would say, oh my God, that is the most Duke basketball player I've ever seen. You know, even Delare right. is a guy like that. I watch him play and it's just like, hustle, you know, back cuts, all this sort of stuff that Duke basketball players do. But instead, I'm watching Marvin Bagley look like the number one pick day one. It's just a totally different so, brand of basketball. Are, are you saying Deloria 
you're putting money on Deloria not wearing number 12 next year. Absolutely not. Saying? Absolutely not. <laughs> Interesting. He's going to be at Davidson next year. <laughs> yeah, that's, they're going to just force him out altogether. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, I don't know. It's, can we, can again, we, can we talk about the transitive property to, to Calipari and his response to all this? Oh, yes, we should. I, this, uh, is, this is great too. Kyle, I got a clip. Can we just play the, the clip of John Calipari? You know, we don't get every kid. I've said that all along. We get the ones that need to come here. Others choose not to, and that's fine. That's their choice. Um, obviously, the kids that have come here are worth over a billion dollars. So that was John Calipari, and he, and, he, and he obviously goes out there. And the first line is my favorite line, Mark Titus. I want to get your genuine reaction on this. And he says, I don't sell when you come here. And my response to that, of course, you buy. <laughs> So that's easy. So, I like it. So we'll knock that out. I like one. it. That's an easy joke. Yeah, yeah we'll knock that it. one that's out. That's a good joke. Uh, but I also did some research. So John Calipari says that he has players in the NBA that are worth a billion dollars. So I took up all the Calipari players and I took up their earnings, their career earnings, and I added them all up and I got to $496 million. Mm, little so, short. So I guess if you add in what they got paid to go to Kentucky, then it all adds up to a billion. Did you, did you add in Drake? Oh, I did not did add, add in, Dra- in. I did not add in Drake. Ashley you're, you're Judd. Correct. You're right. Ashley Judd's career in earnings. That's true. Um, I did not add in. I, I, Ashley Judd is like a you know Tubby Smith era, uh, so she doesn't get counted in. That was the thing. It was tough. You know, I had like Jody Meeks, Rajon Rondo, and some of those guys. I did not count them in the cow class of billion that's true. dollar Don't players. Count them. Yeah, that, that doesn't matter. Um, Drake should count though. I think Drake. Drake is one of the best. Drake is actually a player. Don't now remember Drake. Drake wore the uniform and went and warmed up and shot the three and airballed it <laughs> at the Big Blue Madness. Like Drake, I think Drake counts as a Kentucky player. So, um, yeah, Cal, Cal is definitely shook by this, and and th- it's awesome theater. It's again like this. This goes back to the point I was trying to say and trying to defend myself that like I'm not jealous of Duke. I'm not like upset. I I, I actually enjoy this. I I truthfully want this to happen because Cal and Coach K fighting each other, trying to trying to win at the same game is is absolutely hilarious. Cal is so shook. His team is terrible. Mm-hmm. They're they might not make the tournament. I said that like a week ago, half jokingly. I'm like fifty five percent joke or forty five percent joking. I mean now, like I'm slowly getting closer to like I don't think I'm joking anymore. Kentucky does not look like an NCAA tournament team. First time they um, haven't been ranked since March 2014. Twenty right, but I guess. If you're a Kentucky fan, you're thinking, yeah, that was the year we went to the national championship. So <laughs> we, we might be all right. <laughs> um, he's he's ta- he's so shook by the pain of the players. He's he's recruiting like I haven't heard Kentucky. Does Kentucky even have any recruits for next year? I guess they, they might not need them because all these guys are coming back because they're not that great. I don't I mean, I I don't know. But um Cal is pretty obviously shook, and it makes for fantastic theater because again, need I remind everybody that we're going to talk everyone, the casual fan, the person that doesn't follow college basketball closely would be convinced like Bill Simmons, for example, I'm going to throw him out there. Cause he, I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying, I know that he casually watches college basketball. If you talk to him, like he's convinced that like Duke and Kentucky are like the two best programs in the country. And I guess in, in a certain measure they are, but Villanova is pretty clearly the best program in the country the last five years. Right. Um, up there with, I mean, I, I think there's like five, like I think Michigan State's in the conversation. I think North Carolina's in the but, conversation. But Kansas the, is in the conversation. The point being, the point, I mean, UConn has won more national titles in, since uh, since K started playing the one and done game. Exactly. UConn won in 11 and 14. Yes. It's like the, the point being, this is not a situation where it's like football and you got Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, and it's just those three every single year. Mm-hmm. And you know that one of those three is probably going to win the national championship. And it's like, 
God, can we get some more variety in here? Like that's not what's going on in college basketball. So honestly, I I don't care at all. It makes for more fun. Um, and it's 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 amazing how Cal is so shook by this. It's like they're it's like Cal and K are playing a completely different game. They're not even trying to win national titles. I, I I'm I'm convinced of that with Cal. Like I think Cal looks at his career earnings of his guys, and he's like, I'm the most successful coach in college basketball today, and it's because my guys make more money than everyone else. I mean, pe- people forget he, when when John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, that big draft class when they all came out. This is before he won his title in 2012. Anthony Davis, John Calipari said this was better than a national title when they all got drafted. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and listen, which is you honesty. Can argue that that, I like that. Yeah. You could argue that he's right, but that's the thing. Is like Cal is honest. K is not honest. K is 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 not honest about his approach to this at all. Cal will tell you what he's thinking, and you can honestly, he kind of has a case. Like you bring these guys in, you're you're. I mean, it's it's a it's an antiquated idea that you should be providing an education for these guys who are pretty clearly going to make hundreds of millions of dollars in their NBA career. Like you could throw that out the window. National titles are basically for the fans. And I guess it'd be nice if you cared about the fans, but like, I don't know, like obviously you, you would like, it would be nice to win a national title, but at the end of the day, I think every coach people get into coaching because they care about relationships with their players. And if you're, if that's what your motivation is, then what's the greatest thing you can do in your relationship for a player is help them in their career and help them make a ton of money. So I get there's like a case that could be made that Cal is not wrong. Um it's just it's it's so wild that they're they're playing two completely different games. Like Jay Wright is trying to win the national title this year. Mm-hmm. Tony Bennett is trying to win the national title. John Calipari is trying to get the best recruits and make his guys millionaires. And Kay is doing the same thing and it's it's like we have so many different motivations. It 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 makes college basketball great, Tate. It, That's just what I'm going to say. It really is, reminds me of like the East Coast West Coast rap rivalry back in the day. It's like Coach K is Suge Knight. You know, he's just behind the scenes. He's just this ominous threat, and he has like Tupac, Snoop Dogg, all these talented people around him. And then you got Calipari, who's like Diddy, who's like all up in the video, everywhere around, making his face known, <laughs> just letting everybody know what's going on with his players and everybody. And at the same time, you're just like, I don't know what side I stand on, but I know both sides probably aren't doing the best things right now. You know, there needs to be some sort of, right. there needs to be a middle ground. There needs to be some other outlet. And I guess when you have schools like Villanova, uh, you know, that is the answer, but it's just not as sexy of a pick. I mean, no one's going to randomly walk up to you and say, man, did you see Jalen Brunson and Mikel Bridges last night? What a game by those two guys. I mean, no one no one even knows how to do that. All they want to talk about is Zion Williamson or, you know, Kevin Knox yep. or whoever it is. I mean, Emmanuel Quickly is the guy that's coming in for Cal next year. He's like a five-star point guard. So that's like the biggest name they have coming in, but no one even knows that guy's name. You know, everyone knows Barrett, know Reddish, and Williamson, and they're all going to Duke. Never heard of him. Well, you got anything else? I, we, we we talked about Duke for a lot. I mean, I, people, I don't know. Like this, this is actually we, we we get a ton of shit for ripping on Duke and talking about Duke all the time, and it's 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 deserved. It's totally deserved. But this feels like a worth kind of a half hour discussion. It, I thought it feels um, like a watershed moment for you know yeah. where you stand on the situation. I mean, this was completely out of the blue. I don't I don't think I put it in enough context for how. I mean, there was nobody calling for Duke to get Zion Williamson. Nobody. And no, it, I said it. it Tate, I literally said to you on the podcast, I think he's going to Duke just to troll you, just to like, because that's what I enjoy doing is just saying things to make you upset. <laughs> and then you said it, it can't happen. It won't happen or whatever it is you said. <laughs> oh, it still hurts. Yeah. It still hurts. Yeah. But again, like I'm, I'm, I'm for Duke. I hope uh, Duke fans calm down. Uh, Duke fans aren't listening anymore. If they, there's no way they've made it this far into the pod, they turn, they slam this shit off. But um, I, I, I had, I, I had some real, like true blood Duke people that are quote unquote my friends. I wouldn't call them my friends, but I reached out to them when the Zion thing happened, 
And they were even, not only were they shocked by it, they were just like, I can't believe this is where Kay is going to end his career. So that lets you know right. like, the true blue Duke fans are so just confused by the whole thing. Right. And that's that's where I'm coming from. My my sense of anger, if if you hear it in my voice, is coming from that. Not like, oh man, Duke is better than my program and I'm jealous. Although that's probably true too. There's probably a hint of that. But most of it's just like, why is one, why is America treating Duke to a different standard? Like, can we please can we please make jokes about Coach K? When someone mentions Coach K, can you please say he pays his players? That's all I want to see. I want to see just anonymous people on Twitter accusing K of paying players. That's all I really want. And number two, I want I want to just call out Duke for their bullshit. They're they're hype, they're uh you know hypocritical brand. They have this brand and they have the reality and it doesn't mesh. But anyway, we can move on to something else. We got to finish our segment. That was so that was Tate's bad guy. Yeah, that was one <laughs> bad guy. And now let's go to your bad guy, Mark Titus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're gonna we need to spend a half an hour talking about this, but um we do finally. We should play the well. I guess we have that. We still have the Michael Porter mystery. I was gonna say we should play the music one more time, just to to rest in peace to the Billy Preston mystery. Um, but we still have the Michael Porter mystery, so we can use the music still. But the the Scooby Doo music. But my bad guy is the entire country of Bosnia. Um, Billy has has stepped in, dropped the bag for Billy Preston. Our Kansas. We've we've talked about him all year. Uh, the the story has now been closed. The final chapter has been written on Billy Preston's saga at Kansas. Unless I guess an investigation, but it's, there's probably going to be no investigation. We're just going to move on from it all. Um, a, a team called BC Igokia uh, signed Billy Preston in Bosnia, um, and that's it. That's pretty much it. So the guy, the kid, to recap his story, he uh, he sits out the first was it two games, one game for uh, like breaking team rules, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. Missing curfew. I don't even remember he, what it was. He something, played in the exhibition like games early in the season, then sat out the first game, yeah. and then we never saw him again, really. Yeah, and then gets in a car wreck. A single car car wreck. He, he was totally fine, wasn't injured, so it probably wasn't that bad, but there was damage to the car, and then an investigation launches, and he sits out, and no one has any idea why, and it's just... That that might be like one of the big... That could go down as like one of a big what-if, and... um. I mean, Kansas fans, when Kansas loses in the second round because they go like six for 28 from three-point line, it's definitely going to be a big what-if for them. But uh, I just think about like this kid's life. Like what I, I really hope he makes it in the NBA. I hope he like has like a successful career because to think that like one little car, like fender bender, I, I, I still don't know the details of the crash, but in my head, it's just like he, he hit a fire hydrant or something mm-hmm. or I don't know. To think that that forever altered the course of his life is just, it's crazy to me. And I guess you could argue that that's not what altered the course. What altered it was him picking up bags and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but I don't know. Just if, if he doesn't get in that wreck, he's playing for Kansas. Yeah. And Kansas, I take, I probably take him then seriously as a national title contender. Yeah. I was going to say, but I mean, we're, we're, we're once again in a position where Bill Self does not have a big man that can actually take Kansas to the national title. And that's been the case since, yeah. what, like Darrell Arthur and Cole Aldridge and all those guys were there. I mean, they just haven't been able to figure out the formula since, you know. You just you literally just named the guys that won a national title for <laughs> I know, but I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that was the, like. Oh, you're saying, you're saying since then. Okay, yeah, okay. Since I thought then, you were I mean, saying, like, oh. You got to think about, like, I mean, Embiid gets hurt. Like, I feel like Czech Diallo didn't work out. Like, every single year they have these guys that are pinned to be, okay, we've got the post presence we need to win a title. Because they've had the guards the entire time. Cliff but, Alexander was the big one. Yeah, and every single time Cliff it just Alexander. Has, yeah, it hasn't worked out. So um, uh I feel bad for Seth. Anyway, yeah. Bad guy. Yeah, the and week, then that, that's that's my bad guy is is Bosnia. We gotta get we gotta get our boy Jeff Goodman to uh 
he should have just stayed in Lithuania. I know Lithuania is not close to Bosnia. Um, <laughs> they're both Eastern European countries, but like, I think Lithuania, if my geography is not going to fail me here, I think Lithuania is Northern, Northeastern European and Bosnia is like South by like Croatia, I want to say. Yeah, I've and actually been Serbia, to Bosnia and Herzegovina. It's a very beautiful country. So I'm excited for Billy Wait, Christa. what? Yes, yes. You've been to Bosnia? No kidding? Yes. Can you give us, give us this, the, the the rundown on the league he's going to be in? Should, should, should the ringer send you over there for a week? Uh, should we wait till like Super Bowl week or something? Like some big week where <laughs> we have like so many better so many better uses for you and we send you to Bosnia to cover yes, I'm, one player? I am like, absolutely happy to go back. I will say, I did not stay in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I stayed in, uh, I drove from Split, Croatia to Dubrovnik, Croatia on a bus, but the bus stopped in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I got outside. I got a water. I walked around it was a beautiful country so congrats to billy preston nice. i think it was a good point yeah. uh the adriatic sea is beautiful he's gonna have a great time well good for him yeah billy preston we're, we're done ragging on you your mom got what she wants um where everyone just shut up and leave him alone uh i actually i didn't see the can i'm off twitter i'm i'm taking a three-week hiatus from twitter for uh reasons that aren't worth getting into but um so i i, I didn't see like the kansas fans reactions to this were were, were they like Thank God it's over. Were they like, screw that kid, get him out of here? Do you, did you get a sense of this, Tate? It was more disappointment, I think, that they lost another five-star like big man. Yeah, exactly. There was, yeah. There was no I mean, wasn't. There was no malice to it. There That's was no good. blaming the kid. It was more of just sad that it, it didn't work out and upset yeah, that, just, it, that it you know dragged on this long. So uh, when, feel bad for when in doubt. Self. When in doubt, just point your anger towards the NCAA. Mm-hmm. That's what always. That's the one thing that, like, yeah, you can always do. Just hate the shadowy figures at the NCAA and blame it on them. Um, honorable mention, bad guy Steve Alford landed Moses Brown, uh, five star center. I don't know how good he is, but uh, I, from I, I just I did see some reactions from this on uh, a, a I forget where I saw it. somewhere on the internet. I saw UCLA fans were like actually kind of surprised to get him. Um, I don't know how good this kid is. I I I don't know. Whatever, but you, Steve Alford stepping in, landing a big guy. Um, should be good enough. I think I think this commitment's good enough to give him a five year extension tape. I think UCLA should lock it up. <laughs> five year, five star. It so, makes sense. Uh, it kind of it kind of yeah. reminded me when Tony Parker. You remember when Tony Parker, not the Spurs point guard, but uh, Tony Parker, the center at UCLA who never lost the weight. But when he committed to UCLA, everyone was freaking out. They're like, finally, the big man's back at UCLA. Wait, paying homage to Lou Alcindor. Uh, we don't know if it's going to That was out. different than... That wasn't the guy that went to Georgetown that transferred, right? No. That was Josh Smith? Was it Josh Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Was that his name? Was he at UCLA? He was at UCLA and then he transferred out. Yes. There were two big so, guys. So, yeah, they, they had two, they yeah, had two like Smith. super fat guys. That's right. Yeah. And it, they all they all blend together for me. And Tony Parker came Good. in and took his took his role Good, as Tony the fat Parker. guy on the that's team. That's right. That's right. Yep. They always need one fat guy. Every every UCLA, t- maybe that's what's wrong with UCLA right now. They don't they don't have a fat guy. They need a fat guy. I they think need, they I, should bring they should bring Reeves Nelson back and put him on staff. Yes. Everybody love that guy too. Yes, <laughs> and the Chick Fil A is just too close to Poly Pavilion, so I don't blame him for staying fat. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, all right, how about good guy? Do you have a good guy of the week? Yeah, good guy of the week, and this is sort of a sad one because we we did believe in Notre Dame after the Maui Invitational, and they, they've been on a tough run, and that is. Our boy Mike Bray, a guy that's keeping up the tradition of taking less than talented guys and making them great, uh, a, a true Duke basketball coach, uh, Mike Bray. They've lost to Georgia Tech, UNC, Louisville, Clemson, four in a row. Um, the good news is Bonzi is apparently on the exercise bike. They're trying to get him back. He's still going to be eight weeks. My question to you is, have you watched Matty Ice, a.k.a. Matty Nice, a.k.a. Matt Farrell? No. He's been struggling. This is the problem. Yeah. Yeah, this is the problem. I was going to, I mentioned this briefly on the pod we did not too long ago. Uh, Notre Dame has not existed to me, like basically since, since they lost to Ball State at home. At, at that point, I was like, 
Okay, so they kind of suck because you and I, they won Maui. You and I both said this is the Maui bump. Um, they, they went all the way up to fifth, I want to say. Yeah, they were ranked fifth in the country. Mm-hmm. We're like, that's way too high. Um, and then they lose the ball state, and I was like, yep, yeah, this is the Maui bump. This was too high. They're going to slide back down. And I said, I'm going to give them time to figure it out. I'm going to, I'll check back in in January. And I have not checked back in, Tate. Like, Notre Dame has done nothing to, to pop back on my radar. And it's kind of sad that I, I didn't even think about Notre Dame until you said Mike Bray. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Notre Dame does exist. And they are a fun part of my life every year. And maybe that's what's missing it, from this it, college basketball. It feels season. like Mike Bray's t shirt wearing in Maui was at least two years ago. And that's the sad part about this yeah. whole state of affairs. Matt Farrell in the Louisville game was a double overtime loss, a heartbreaking loss. But he had two or three times where he could have won the game on open shots. And, you know, Matty Ice would have hit those shots, but Matty Nice is not hitting those shots. He really struggled. Ooh, I like what you did there. Yeah, he's struggling. And then they lost to Clemson, and he shot two of 11 from the field. He just looks still hurt. I think he had, like, an ankle injury or something that was holding him out. It just makes me sad because this whole year, we were so excited for the Bonzi and Matt Farrell pick-and-roll action all year. And uh, right. we haven't gotten our due. Um, Mike Bray said he wants Bonzi to come back for the ACC tournament so they can get back to Maui status is what he said. So I'm hoping that Notre Dame can make like a run in the ACC tournament. That, that's best case scenario for this team. Maui status as in needing a vacation a comeback, needing a comeback to be a vastly overrated Wichita State team in, in, in the second half and some, some soft Maui rims and a lot of help to even beat a team that is probably not even going to make the Sweet 16 this year. That's that's what he means by coming back to my... Uh, so if if Farrell and Colson end up on our three-on-three team that you and I... Um, we haven't talked about that in a while. We, should, we need to, You and I need to sit down off the air and kind of like hash out some three-on-three stuff. But uh, we're on the committee, the selection committee for the three-on-three tournament that's going on at the Final Four. And we said that... when we At the start of the year, we felt like Colson and Farrell were locks to be on the ACC team. Um I, I if they both can get healthy and we put them on the team because I don't know what the whole situation is. It might be like you might throw like Joel Berry in there, but ACC I'm sure has a ton of great seniors that I just can't think of right now. Uh, if they win the three on three tournament and they win Maui and they don't make the NCAA tournament and they suck the rest of the year, is that a successful season for them? Is that is that a good way to go out? If you win Maui and you win the inaugural three on three tournament, I think that's a pretty good year. That's a year you could be proud of. Uh because <laughs> they for, for Notre Dame promising so listen, a final four I don't think that's the uh they weren't promising a final four listen Notre Dame coming into the year they had two and a half players they had Colson and uh Farrell and I'll give you half a Fluger and outside of that like nobody around the country is scared of any of those other guys no one cares about any of those other guys they have I'm sure some of them are pretty decent players but like that was what it was there were two and now Colson's out for however long it's going to be eight weeks or something like yeah, that yeah eight weeks you're, you're saying for Farrell's got a bum ankle or something. Like, of course they're not. Like, it is what it is. It's just, I mean, you're limited. You, you're, you're the two players you do have get hurt. If you can salvage a Maui win and a three on three win, where 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 Tate and Titus are there, yes, handing you the trophy, yes, shaking your hand, interviewing you after you win. I mean, that's a victory, Tate. That's better than Jim Nance. I'll tell you that. Uh, what <laughs> what about your good guy? Do you do? Is it is it a coach that My possibly good guy. lost to Mike Bray at some point this year? Yep. See it. The, the little segue. We were talking about Maui. Uh, Greg Marshall. Uh, you're gonna enjoy this. Uh, he's he, the Wichita State has now lost two in a row. Uh, I'm not really gonna get into it too much. Like I, I felt like Wichita State should be. They definitely should be better than this. Um, they brought back like their team. They won 30 games last year. They were a uh, what, what were they a 10 seed last year in the tournament? Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yep. I think they were a 10 seed. Yeah. And they won 30 games, and everyone was like, "Man, Wichita State is misseeded. This is a this is a travesty." And then they brought back everybody. Uh, they were supposed to be really good. They were ranked, I want to say, like ninth, 
top 10 at least uh, in the preseason. They're, they're just not that good, and that's okay. They're, they are very, they're a good basketball team. They're not a very good basketball team. Uh, we said it at the beginning when after the Maui, our kind of our takeaway from Maui, at least mine was, was that if, if we're talking about the Duke brand, I feel like Wichita State is not on brand at all right now. They are, they are not the play angry Wichita State. Their defense is actually kind of bad. Uh, Shama is not – he's really not assertive, and that's that's – the real head scratcher to me is that he's not really doing much of anything and he's not really upset by that. It's not like he's playing poorly. It's like, he's just not really playing at all. Um, so yeah, Greg Marshall, they've lost, they've lost two in a row now, uh, in the new conference. They have Marcus McDuffel's back, by the way, <laughs> your, 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 your Marcus, Marcus McDuffel, McDuffel bags. That was the, that was the big thing was like, uh, we were talking like, w- well, to be fair, they don't have Marcus McDuffie back yet. When he comes back, they're going to be a completely different team. Marcus McDuffels has been back for about a month now, Tate. He's averaging like eight points and four rebounds a game. So he's not, he's not, uh, he's not really the difference. I mean, this isn't a guy that was, you know, so they're kind of running out of excuses. Um, I know they are in a, a, a harder conference, but they haven't even got to the part of the conference that's supposed to be like that hard yet. But this is the, I mean, I, I this is the perfect example of, you know, they bumped themselves up to play in a tough conference. They got used to being able to run through their conference and prime themselves for the tournament. And now they're having to deal with it. So uh, that's the situation right. we're at. Uh, shout out to, shout out to all the people on, shout out to all the idiots on Twitter and ESPN comment sections and all that are like, this team would, this team would suck if they had to play real teams. Like when Wichita State went undefeated and they're like, this team would finish 13th in the ACC. Um, I want to give a shout out to those people because they're this year they're kind of proving your point. Maybe you're right. Maybe you were right all along. Maybe Gonzaga, if Gonzaga had to play in the Pac-12, wouldn't even make the tournament every year. Maybe that's a, maybe there's something to that, Tate. Anyway. The Gonzaga fans are very upset about that. I, I, will, I will take a step back and say, Gonzaga, good for you guys. You guys are great. Go West Coast Conference. Um, do we need Kyle Guy or should we just go straight to shout outs? We just go straight to shout-outs, I think. I mean, Kyle Guy, the only thing I had on Kyle Guy was that uh, I saw. I just saw an interview Tony Bennett did after they beat Wake Forest that um, basically Tony Bennett got asked about uh, if Kyle Guy was going to break his record because apparently Kyle Guy has like the Virginia – he now has the Virginia all-time career three-point percentage record or something. Um, and I didn't realize this. Tony Bennett is the NCAA leader. He has the NCAA career record at 49.7% Tate from the three-point line. That is so shot, absurd. Tony Bennett Tony Bennett shot 53.3% from the three-point line as a junior, and he took like five threes a game, and he did it. And uh, anyway, Kyle Guy, is, he's not actually going to break it, but he's close. And Tony Bennett was asked about it, and Tony Bennett being the humble, handsome man that he is, just said like, yeah, I would love that. I, he goes, I want someone to break it, but I want it to be one of my guys that I recruit. So anyway, that's, that was the only thing I saw. Kyle Guy, one of the good guys. Uh, let's do some shout-outs. First up, uh, shout-out to Buzz Williams and Virginia Tech last night. Beat North Carolina. Buzz Williams is the only coach I've ever seen do a full halftime, take off the suit, come back in a T-shirt. At one point, Buzz Williams ran into the middle of the court in live action because he thought it was a media timeout. Got no technical because he was so giddy about how good they were playing on defense that the refs just let it go. Unbelievable effort by Buzz Williams. He was basically the sixth defender all night. And uh, Virginia Tech with a big win over North Carolina. <laughs> Have you... uh? Have you just resigned yourself to the fact that it's just not happening with Carolina this year? Oh my God! They're, they're ranked number ten in the country. I, they're they're totally fine. The problem that they're You're not gonna, hit, what the problem what? that they're going to have is that Joel Berry and Jaleek Felton. There there's a little there looks to be a little bit of a rift there, but uh, that's something to keep your eye on because 
Jaleith gonna have to play more. Joel Berry still can't get a shot. Uh, and the best thing, not, the best thing about Joel Berry is the the apologizing that every single media person does when he does struggle in games. No one says anything bad about the guy. I love Joel Berry. He's a great point guard. He's a great Carolina point guard, but he is really really struggling this season. He's a good guy. He's a good, good guy. guy. Joel Berry. That's for sure. He's a great great guy. Um. So yeah, Carolina is. I, I feel like the ceiling Sweet Sixteen. Do you think it's better than that? Well, I think, Do you think they have a higher ceiling than that? I think ACC tournament run where you get into the championship game and a Sweet 16 Elite Eight is a pretty good season for this team when you're depending on Luke May to be your best player. So I, I don't I don't think you God can argue damn, with that. You d- the Luke May slander continues. You just, you hate that man. <laughs> no, I love him. Unbelievable. He, Unbelievable. Yeah, it's um, tough. Luke May would be a great Duke basketball player in the mid-2000s, that's for sure. Shout out to the buzz. Did you see the video of him in the the locker room after they won? Of like course, the mosh pit. Of course. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, but Buzz seems like a fun guy to play for. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think Buzz Williams is when he has a buzzed haircut, and I'm going to call this new version of Buzz Spike Williams with the spiked hair. So good, Sp- good Ooh, job, like Spike it. Williams. I want to give a shout out to Buzz too, by the way. For I don't know if it's paid off quite yet, but for leaving Marquette, and I know there's like more to the story. He probably hated the administration and all that kind of stuff, but. When it happened, he left Marquette to go to Virginia Tech, and everyone was like, "What? Why? Why are you doing? Why would you leave Marquette for Virginia Tech?" And I don't know if it necessarily has played out for him. I don't know if it's proved to be like a great decision quite yet. Like it's not like Virginia Tech has built something yet. They, they seem to just still be the team that just upsets other teams and doesn't actually um, win a ton of games yet. But uh, I don't know. He seems to be having fun. He's he's pulling out some big wins, growing out his hair. People seem to love him down there. So. I don't know. Shout out to him for that. Yep. Shout out to Blacksburg. Uh, um, next up. I want to shout out TCU for beating West Virginia uh, at home. I think this is like their first top 10 win in like five years, which begs a question or, or brings up the point of like, TCU had a top 10 win five years ago? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? Did that <laughs> um, happen? But this was, a, this was a program win, Tate. I just wanted to I, – I'm more – it wasn't this acute game. It wasn't just this specific game. It was more that – uh, when you and I did the Sleeping Giants pod with with Simmons, we we talked about we briefly touched on how we feel like SMU and TCU is going to be the rivalry to to keep an eye on for the next like twenty years. That that twenty years from now, SMU TCU might be something yes. in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yes. So um, TCU getting a huge win is is a step in that direction. Where like TCU Jamie Dixon gets something cooking there, and uh, they finally they finally did it. They've had a lot of close calls. They they are actually one of the better teams in the Big Twelve, but they keep losing to all the better teams. Like they lose by like three or four points in all these big 12 games. So it was cool to see them finally blow out a good team. So anyway, and shout out to Ryan Switzer for being there for West Virginia fans behind the bench. That was a, a tough loss for him. Uh, Xavier and Cincinnati, two teams that we always think are ranked between 17 and 20 up to number eight in the coaches poll. So congrats to them for tying each other uh, the, right where yeah, they that's belong. That's pretty funny. They're pretty funny. They, they just for one week, if you're a coaches poll fan, you can't argue about Xavier Cincinnati, like Xavier Cincinnati fans are just shaking hands saying like, yeah, we're about as good as each other this week. <laughs> yeah. Even though, even though Xavier beat the shit out of Cincinnati this year, but yeah, that was pretty funny that they're tied. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Rhode Island. The, the, uh, the forgotten Hurley brother, Dan Hurley is now ranked. He's won 10 in a row. Rhode Island, their, their only losses. I, I, I forget. I, I wish I had their schedule pulled up. I think they've only lost like really good teams. They've only lost three games and the three teams they lost to were like all very, very good. Um, so the question, you know, Arizona State sliding Tate, Rhode Island's on the come up. Who's the best Hurley brother? Are we going to see them play each other in the tournament? Let's be Wouldn't honest. That'd be great. It's always been Dan Hurley the whole time. Wouldn't it be awesome if they really did play each other and they were playing at the same site as Duke or something? And like you show Coach K in the stands and and then you do the whole thing where you pretend like Bobby Hurley's a K guy. And I don't know. It's 
I don't I don't know what I don't know what thought I don't know what I'm thinking here, but I think it would be a good I think it'd be good for drama. I mean, their losses are Virginia and Alabama are their two big losses. So those are two tournament teams. So that's not a bad resume for your boy oh, yeah, Dan yeah. Hurley. Uh next up we got uh Kim Palm's top five are in the are, are in the top six of the AP poll. So the AP poll is now becoming just the Kim Palm poll. Villanova, Virginia, Purdue, Duke, Michigan State. Um they're basically the same thing now. So congratulations to Kim Palm for figuring out the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's happening is the AP voters... Remember, we talked about this last week where Gary Parrish does his poll attacks thing and people get scared and they don't know what to do. So they're all just gravitating towards Kim Palm, Kim Palm and voting for Kim Palm. Kim Palm and the AP matched on eight of the top ten this week. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're reaching a poll singularity where like Kim Palm's computers are just taking over the world. And we're, we're, we're at a point where we don't even need to play these games anymore. Just have Kim Palm type in the algorithm, hit hit play or whatever it is when you do when you program something and uh see what see what happens. And that's our winner. So um I had a couple more shout outs say uh Lamar, not not the man. There's I'm not talking about a man named Lamar. I'm not talking about Lamar Odom. I'm talking about a school called Lamar. Uh played against Sam Houston State. Again, not the man Sam Houston. The school Sam Houston. <laughs> it's confusing, I know. <laughs> somewhere somewhere in this country a man named Sam Houston was playing Lamar and it wasn't these schools. They were just playing on the pick. It was a one on one. It was a good game. <laughs> But I'm talking about the college basketball game. Uh, Lamar scored 17 points in the first half. They were down 32 to 17. So Sam Houston gave them the Tony, as as we as I the, the phrase I coined last week, where you hold a team under 20, or the uh, Zaglinski. So depending on your the UVA allegiance. Uh, so Lamar scores 17. They're they're down 32 to 17 at halftime. They then go out and score 51 in the second half to send the game to overtime, and then they score 16 in overtime. So I don't even know who the coach of Lamar is. It used to be Pat Knight, Bob Knight's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fired, but shout out to the Lamar coach for that halftime pep talk. You scored 17 points at halftime, and then you go out and score 51 in the second half, and then 16 in overtime to, to get the win. So uh, I want to give him a shout out. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty you got much anything it. else. I will say Tick Price is the coach of Lamar. I did not know that. Uh, his daughter, Chanel Iman, is a famous model. So way to go, Tick Price. Uh, and that's the ticket wait, wait, price for that one. Dude, well, you just you just Wikipedia that. I just looked that, that up. That's pretty impressive. That, tick that Price, just, yeah. Tick Price, his, his daughter's a model. Yeah, Chanel Iman that uh, used to date ASAP Rocky. Uh, that's a wait. Random, what? Wait. What? Wait. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very. Very uh, in the weeds. ASAP Rockies. Oh, oh my God. We're, we're yeah. All right, we'll wrap this up, Tate. Uh, games to watch this week. Uh, we're doing another show Friday, so uh, the, the games to really watch this week are this weekend. But between now and our next pod. Pretty much Michigan at Purdue. That seems to be the only game that's worth, I would say, worth watching. Do you have any others? Michigan at Purdue on Thursday. Um, otherwise, I think most of the games are, are the good games are this weekend. You got Virginia, Duke, all that kind of stuff, which we'll we'll preview that um, next pod. But otherwise, I think just Michigan at Purdue. You got anything else? No, that's it. I, I just want to say this to Zion. One day you'll understand, Zion. One day you will understand, and uh, we'll miss you. We'll, we'll all miss you. God bless Zion. God bless Zion Williamson. We we said a lot of mean things about you and your program, your new program. Um, I want to. I oh, one more shout out. Shout out Chris Holtman, still undefeated in Big Ten play. Tate mm-hmm. need to squeeze that in there. Uh, will he ever lose a Big Ten game? Nobody knows. It's hard to say. But that's pretty much it. Wrapping it up. That's it. We're wrapping it up. This has been another edition of One Shining Podcast. Mark Titus, save the crew. Right, save the crew.
Thanks again to Hotel Tonight. Again, I can't tell you how much I have been loving Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight helps you book amazing deals at great hotels. And even though the name's Hotel Tonight, you can actually book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. They work with cool top-rated hotels and don't feature those long, endless lists of options you have to scroll through. Instead, they show you a select list of the best deals at the best hotels at any given time. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app now. 